0: Fall in full swing and winter around the corner, there's no better place to go than steal to get all the equipment you need for the leaves and in preparation for the snow stihl steelusa.com go check out all of the different items they have to make your property pristine they're the best in the world it's that simple and there's a dealer around the corner from you go to steeldealers.com to find the one that is closest you can go right online and order any item you want and then go down and pick it up I've got uh, a couple of blowers in the garage. They're battery-operated, and they are dual-purpose, really all year round. But right now, you can get the leaves blown out in uh, half a minute. And then, I'll tell you what, when you get snow, a few inches of snow, and you're trying to clear a walkway, you know, we get the, the beautiful Rocky Mountain powder, the Colorado powder. People come from all over the world for it. Guess what? You just bl- You don't have to shovel. You just blow it out of the way. They have so many great items to help you out. Steel USA, S-T-I-H-L, simply the best. This week on the Drew Goodman podcast, Rocky Skipper, Buddy Black on some of the bright spots headed into 2024.
1: The development of Ezekiel Tobar, the development of Nolan Jones, of Brett Doyle. I think those are three everyday players with uh, all-star potential.
0: Also, what is Buddy asking of his players and coaches this winter? And Broncos head coach Sean Payton is throwing his coaches under the bus. Leadership 101 is... Even internally, if it's not your fault, you point to yourself. I have to be better. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast, wherever you find podcasts, and tell your assistant coaches. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Okay, the fly ball to right field over is Carroll. He's got it! And the Arizona Diamondbacks are headed to the World Series! The Diamondbacks have won the National League pennant. Welcome in, everybody, to show number 225. And uh, as I predicted way back, I think I did this back in, uh, in March. So obviously I wanted the Rockies to be there. I knew uh, that the Rockies were in transition. And I had the Arizona Diamondbacks take on the Texas Rangers in the World Series. Okay. I didn't have that. Nor did you. No one had that. But congratulations to Arizona, and congratulations to the Texas Rangers. Two seven-game series, the two road teams won, and... It is surprising, and I know so much is being written right now immediately. Oh, this isn't what baseball wanted. This isn't what Fox wanted. The ratings aren't going to be good. Philadelphia didn't make it. They were sexy. Houston, the defending world champs, they didn't make it. They're a sexier team than than Texas. I don't care about all that. I care about matchups, and I also care about the fact that you earn your way there. And people who don't have a rooting interest may not like it because they may not know a whole lot, especially about the Arizona Diamondbacks, but they earned their right. And that's the beauty of baseball. Baseball is not like many of the other sports. It's probably most, I'm thinking out loud here, it's probably most like hockey, to be honest with you. Think of the Boston Bruins last year. They had an historic regular season. Greatest regular season in the history of the NHL. And they got beat in the first round. That can happen in hockey because they're short series. We know the margin between winning and losing in hockey is very slim. And it is that way in baseball. And you can have a hot team for a couple of ball games. You can have a a pitcher throw the game of his life a bullpen come together, and all of a sudden the team that you felt had no shot wins. And look no further than these two series in the NLCS and the ALCS. We'll start uh, with the NLCS because it, it just finished last night, a 4-2 to victory in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the toughest place probably in Major League Baseball to play for a road team. But how often have we said athletes that have gumption? that have the old chip on the shoulder, which you know I love, they want to go on the road. They soak in that atmosphere that no one's pulling for them. It was us against the world. All the cliches get run out there. Well, it does have merit. It does have meaning. And especially once Philadelphia fell behind, now the pressure's really on the Phillies, as it was in game seven, and they couldn't get it done. And And... Baseball again is different. Bryce Harper's an all-timer. He's a Hall of Famer. Trey Turner's one of the best players of this generation. Kyle Schwarber doesn't hit for average, but he's a slugger. He had a great postseason with the number of home runs. But in that particular game seven, it's not a choke. It's just the circumstances of baseball, and they were combined one for twenty with their with their core group that, you know, they rely heavily on. That's baseball. And that's why a team like Arizona, who does not have the household names that Philadelphia has, can end up in a World Series. And you flip over to the other side. And, and this was fascinating. Because once again, for just the second time in the history of seven-game series, the home team never won a game. The other time it occurred was 2019 in the World Series, when Washington won in Houston in Game 7 and took out the Astros and raised the banner, and no team won a home game in that series. So Houston, I take you back to Game 5. Houston with the idiotic situation where Adolius Garcia gets hit by Brian Abreu, and the umpires end up throwing out Abreu, Garcia for and Garcia gets in the face of Martin Maldonado and then ultimately Dusty Baker gets thrown out. That was an absolute shit show. Poorly poorly handled by that umpiring crew. There is no way even if they are pissed at Garcia because it took him 10 minutes to run around the bases and that's more accepted now quite frankly than it was certainly 15, 20, 25, 30 years ago that would never occur. And if you want to extract some sort of measure of, uh, of revenge against him or to show your anger, you can do it in spring training. You can do it. Well, you can't do it in spring training, but you can do it during the regular season. Houston's not going to see Texas in spring training, but you can do it in the regular season. They're in the same damn division. You're going to guys have long memories I've seen that before, where guys get plunked for an incident that took place a year earlier. It happens. They remember. You're not going to do it in a two-run game in the eighth inning and put another guy on base if you're Houston. A Braves smarter than that. There's no way that would have occurred. The pitch, I do believe, got away, and then they throw people out. So, fast forward in that ball game to the ninth inning, and Jose Altuve, all five foot six of them. I love them. One of the few guys I can look eye to eye with. He hits a three run home run. Houston wins in Arlington. After being down two nothing, they win all three games in Arlington. And by the way, I am in Arlington right now as we speak. I had a a, a speaking engagement down here. I'm now off on a tangent. So a big shout out to the uh, to the DMA folks. Um, great group food service uh, business. Learned a lot about food service. My man, Pat Mulhern. But a uh, big shout out to those guys. I greatly appreciate them having, having me down. And uh, we had a wonderful time. But they, they did stuff around, uh, you know, right here in Arlington at the ballpark. And now we watch watching paint World Series on the field yesterday. It's pretty cool. But they didn't, they didn't win a game against Houston here. And when that game ended, everybody in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex I you saw it you could hear it on the radio shows in the papers they were like well that was our chance then and Houston's going to win a game down at their place right at minute made well it didn't happen and everybody assumed Houston has all the momentum the you know the, the the fact that Dusty got thrown out and the eighth inning and then in the ninth inning they lose a 4-2 advantage with a three-run home run by Jose Altuve. It's done deal. That's what we all think in sports. And we all think that, especially in baseball. Momentum, momentum, momentum. doesn't exist. It does not exist. Houston, in the two games, in games six and seven, Texas blew them out. Blew them out. And by the way, I'm jumping around here. Another aside. Game sevens are awesome in any sport. Love them in baseball. But I have to tell you, is as, as engaged as I've been with the postseason, naturally, in baseball, and there have been moments, and there have been long series, we're talking about Game 7s, there hasn't been a lot of late-inning drama. There have been a lot of blowouts, which has been unfortunate. So again, no, you don't talk to me about momentum in baseball and Texas ends up, as I said, blowing out Houston in those two games. So it'll be a matchup of Texas and Arizona. I have no idea who will win Texas on paper, but um, we've learned throughout this postseason that uh, Arizona is not a team that you can dismiss. It'll be a wild card winner. The 300 win teams were taken out early in this postseason. And I know it's been a debate, is this good or bad for baseball? What does it mean for the 162-game marathon? What it means, again, and we learned this once we went to the wild card format in baseball, is that you just want to get into the party. Not altogether different um, from hockey. Not altogether different from other sports, but in particular baseball where if you get in you can win it all. We saw the Miami Marlins in ninety seven and 03, decided underdog and and they came in as a wild card and ended up winning it. So there's precedence here and the argument would be for me that yes the regular season has great meaning you want to win in a perfect world you would prefer to play at home in a perfect world you'd want to be a division winner and I'm not I don't have a problem with the layoff cuz you can set up your rotation you can get guys rest and if you ask the athletes the rest isn't is a good thing and and you can bring up guys from AAA and you can scrimmage and see live pitching if you're concerned about that over the few days that you're resting if you're a division winner so uh i'm not buying into that Uh, but it'll it'll be fascinating arizona and texas nobody thought that that's okay he you know it also going to play out i I chuckle at this because this is like the biggest athlete cliche nobody had us here nobody respects us it's us against the world that's what you're going to hear emanating from phoenix uh, over the next, uh, you know, week to 10 days. Nobody believed in us. And maybe that's true. Uh, but uh, congrats to both those teams. I look forward to uh, to seeing how that plays out. One more thing on Jose Altuve. How good is this guy? And if he walked down the street and, and somebody pointed to him and said, hey, there goes a professional athlete. More people would say, is that the jockey that, uh, you know, had the winner at the Kentucky Derby? You would not think baseball player or you certainly wouldn't think, you know, another sport. And he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's great. He's great. And yeah, some people won't like him because he played on the Houston Astros team in 2017. I love him. He's clutch. He's tremendous. And all those guys... You know, Bregman, who, you know, there's only a couple left who were on that team in 2017. They've maintained uh, their excellence. So, and oh, real quickly, if it is the swan song for Dusty Baker, and it appears that it is, that he that he's going to hang it up at, I believe, Dusty's 74. What a fabulous career. Tremendous player. And a Hall of Fame manager. And I'm so thrilled, as I said a year ago, that he finally won that elusive uh, World Series title, but he's going to the Hall of Fame. Bruce Bochy, who continues on, he'll obviously one day be in the Hall of Fame, but uh, congrats on a a marvelous career, uh, unique personality, um, fun guy to be around and visit with, uh, Dusty Baker. Another baseball note, Bob Melvin has taken the San Francisco Giant job. Now, a couple of points here. He was with San Diego the last couple of years. One of the worst-kept secrets in baseball was the fact that Bob Melvin and the general manager in San Diego, A.J. Preller, had a very poor relationship. That was well-known in the industry. And you knew... When the Giant job came open that Melvin privately would be interested, now he's under contract with San Diego, but when San Diego gave permission to the Giants to interview Melvin, it was a fate to complete that he was going to be given the job. What does that tell you? Inside your division, one of your rivals, and you're going to let this manager that you paid uh, in the neighborhood of $4 million a year to take this well-to-do and talented roster uh, and go win a title with. And obviously they they made the playoffs the first year. Very disappointing last year, though they finished strong. Don't get to the postseason. And now Bob Melvin's going to be up in San Francisco. Um, It will be interesting to see what direction now A.J. Preller goes in. But uh, people inside baseball many were, were shocked that, that Bob was going to come back for a third year, that the relationship was that poor between the general manager and the field manager. And now we don't have to worry about that anymore because now Bob Melvin will be on the top step of the dugout uh, in his hometown, basically, in San Francisco. He's from Northern California, went to Cal Berkeley. But I want to mention that. On to football. Colorado didn't play last week. Uh, Colorado State very disappointing loss to UNLV in that uh, they kicked a 55-yard field goal uh, to go ahead late and then couldn't uh, in the in the final minute hold off UNLV who ends up getting uh, moving all the way down the field getting a chip shot so you know Colorado had the great momentum over the uh, Colorado State uh, had the great momentum after. The unbelievable comeback against Boise State couldn't keep it going against UNLV. So it's, you know, it's it's up one week, down the next week. And, you know, that's kind of where they are right now. Colorado, will see uh, how they do as they begin this five-game stretch, trying to become a bowl eligible. And the same thing is uh, the case for the Rams. To the NFL, uh, Sean Payton, as we tape this, uh, the Broncos uh, managed to, after blowing a lead, win a ball game at home. For the first time this year, they beat... Um, Green Bay. My only thought on on that, as we move forward, is Sean Payton again from afar, and I don't uh, I don't know Sean Payton, and I'm uh, I'm, I'm going to be critical again here in that I just don't like the look after the game in one of uh, his answers to a to an inquiry was talking about you know we got to clean a bunch of things up you know coaches speak he said we had 10 men on the field once or twice on, on defense and that can't happen it was a, a thinly veiled shot at Vance Joseph this is coming from the guy who did not know what down it was the previous week did not know what down it was this is coming from a guy who criticized in the preseason his predecessor Uh, for doing one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL and also having trouble getting plays in to Russell Wilson a year ago. Well, what happened the first couple of weeks of the season? They were having trouble getting plays in to Russell Wilson. So instead of it being on Sean Payton, who's the play caller and the offensive genius, it was on Russell Wilson to some measure. It's never his fault. Well, Leadership 101 is, even internally, if it's not your fault, you point to yourself. I have to be better. All coaches do that when they get in front of the media. And the other thing that's tiresome and bothersome, the media, when they ask legitimate questions, and, and not all the time do they, but most of the time, the media, the accredited media, are asking questions that if a fan an ardent fan had the opportunity to ask that's the question that would be posed to a coach or a player so the media when they're doing their job correctly they're a conduit to the the folks at home don't rip a media member for asking a question or you know taking you know an attitude with a question and you see that consistently with not just Sean Payton but you you see that with certain coaches uh, over the years. You know, we all celebrate Greg Popovich. Popovich does it, and, and I find it loathsome. Um, but Peyton does that. Don't do that. You lose credibility. You lose credibility, especially when you're not winning. And and I think players see through that. And ultimately, you want to run through a wall for a leader, whether it's, you know, in sports or in business. And I'm I'm just, when I look in... I don't, I don't see a guy that I'm like boy I'd love, I'd love to play for that guy. Again that's you know we, we knew him from afar when he coached in New Orleans and now we're seeing him more up close and it's not just the record, it's how you handle wins and losses and I'm not getting the warm fuzzies. I'll just leave it at that. Alright, uh, as promised uh, a few weeks ago, and as we do every year, we talk to, uh, we you know, we always we always have Buddy Black on the show, leading into the season naturally, preview what he's excited about, what he's pleased with, what are his concerns. We do that in March, late March, on the eve of the season, and then we do a postscript. And um, uh, over the next couple of weeks, because Buddy and I got into a number of, of topics, and um, he breaks down the season he breaks down individuals he breaks down you know what needs to happen going forward what he's excited about he's always super articulate He's such a bright guy. He's a funny guy. He's uh, he's a good visitor, whether you're talking about baseball and his Rockies, or you're talking about rock and roll, or movies, or any other uh, subject. He's just a good man. But uh, this is part one of my conversation. Uh, in the aftermath of the 2023 season and peaking ahead of 2024, the Rockies' uh, skipper, Bud Black. Buddy, it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, you had some downtime, time to deprogram, decompress—all those D things. How are you feeling,
1: Drew? I feel good. Uh, you're right. I think when the when the season ends for uh, 18 teams who don't make the playoffs, you know, we all sort of exhale, uh, and it takes a, you know, I think a couple days to, to totally uh, unwind, but. You know, once those playoffs start, you you turn on the TV and sort of, in a lot of ways, it gets your juices flowing again. Uh, you know, playoff baseball's fun.
0: Playoff, base, playoff baseball's great, and, you know, as baseball people, we watch. And do you find yourself, because you have obviously as critical an eye as anybody going, being a longtime manager and player, etc., Do you look and go, man, we have miles to go? Or do you say, hey, you know, we can close the gap, and I'm buoyed by what Baltimore's done, a team that lost well over 100 two years ago, Texas well over 100 a couple years ago. And even going back, you know, it's it's better part of a decade, but Houston, you know, lost 100-plus three years in a row, and now they're the toast of of baseball.
1: And, Drew, don't forget Arizona.
0: Arizona, right.
1: Uh, Yeah, 110. So... Yeah, I, I, you know, I think the gap can be, can be closed. I look at it, I look at it that way more so than the other, uh, just because of what we've seen from most teams that you name, right? I mean, it can happen. And it can happen fast, but it's, you know, it's about the young players, uh, coming up and playing well and then supplementing those guys with, uh, you know, those veteran players that you have and maybe adding to it. But all of them performing, I think that's the thing that, Uh, sticks out for me that uh, it definitely can happen Uh, but again it's got to be the right mix of players and talent
0: I got to ask you this do you get a kick out of or or what are your thoughts internally when you see Dusty Dusty Baker and, and Bruce Bochy two of your contemporaries two good friends go to home plate and exchange lineup cards because they ain't 30 something buddy
1: so it, it makes me smile in a lot of ways, and it makes me, uh, you know, chronologically uh, let me know where I am. But I also know that knowing both those guys, uh, and I know how their their heart beats, and I know how their mind thinks. Those guys still think they're they're twenty five or thirty. Uh, I, you know, even though uh, they might walk a little slower, uh, especially Boch. But uh, I know in their mind those guys are sharp as a tack. But it, it it makes me smile when I see those guys in particular because, like you mentioned, they're friends of mine. I mean, I played for Dusty. Uh, I've be I've become you know good friends with Boach over the last decade or so. So it, it, it's really good stuff when I see those two.
0: Yeah, it, it makes me feel good. I, I guess we're all in the same uh, age fraternity, if you will. Um, but is it, I, I don't want to say this in too strong terms, uh, you know, a punch back, but, but just an acknowledgement that where where baseball is and, and more recently has been that there can be a melding of, I know we fall onto this term old school versus new school, but just these guys like yourself, they can understand the you know what analytics brings, but also understand the human condition, like all of you have done for so many years.
1: Yeah, I, you know, Drew, I, I I do think there, you know, to use your term, bounce back. But I, I do think that you know decision makers and leadership and others in the game are are realizing that there there truly is a balance and a blend. Of, uh of the of the data and the analytics and also truly the human element uh, of what it takes to play professional sports right this is still a game played by human beings in a physical nature that again it's uh, you know there is a heartbeat to it uh, and I you said it these guys are are smart enough and I think those of us in the game who been that a while realize that you know there is a usefulness of, of information of of data that we can use and and we can lean on uh, you know quantitative analysis and, and the people behind uh, you know those programs to to help the game to help us you know to help players to help coaches and I think these guys are showing that you know that that blend uh can be very effective because you're right i mean the, your eyes uh tell you a lot uh, you know your experience tells you a lot and i think these two guys uh and how they're and how they're running their teams uh, you know what they've done here in the in the playoffs through a couple rounds are indicators that you know there is still something to experience and what you've been through and how you know your players, and, and, and knowing what your players can or can't do at crunch time and big moments, I think it's showing up, and I think it's a good thing. I, I
0: I would concur with that. You know what else is showing up? I mean, the game always evolves, and in the past, buddy, and certainly in in, in your playing days. When you got to the postseason, and the heck with the postseason, even in the regular season, there there was rarely bullpen days. It was like, you know, it wasn't Johnny Holstaff, you know, every couple of weeks. And we're not only seeing that in the regular season uh, with more regularity, but now in the postseason, we're seeing teams... Um, whether it's out of necessity or not, feeling like, okay, we're going to go about game three or game four of a playoff series and we're, and we're going to pitch, you know, five, six guys, whatever it takes. Um, What's your takeaway on that? And can that help propel a team maybe like the Rockies that can't line up, you know, five, six, seven, eight deep in terms of starting pitching? Well,
1: uh, there's no doubt that I think the depth of, uh, of pitching staffs these days uh, are are allowing that to happen. With uh, 13 13 pitchers on your staff, uh, with you know varying degrees of uh, of talent and abilities, uh, it does make it easier to have those certain days where you can use a whole bullpen. And you can uh, see that uh, being, you know, formulated in these playoff games. Uh, there's no doubt. They listen, would every team want to have Zach Wheeler or, or Aaron Nola or uh, Nathan Evaldi, you know, down the line of, you know, a great starting pitchers who can give you length? But, uh, you know, there are certain games where, uh Plans go awry, and you have to adjust. And that might affect you in, you know, in, in future games, you know, down the line. And, and these things are are planned through. They're uh, they're thought out. They're formulated, you know, by the, the coaching staff with the baseball operations team. who are you know part of uh, the t- decision making group as you go into the playoffs. And you and you look at series. Look at uh, availability. You look at rest. All those things you look at as your pitching staff, and and the and the best way to go at times is to is to use uh, you know five potentially six guys at a certain game. And what enables you to do that is the you know, is the playoff structure of, of days off and travel days and giving rest to your uh, to your pitchers. Uh, you know that is needed. But I do know this. That You know, pitchers get a second win, and the multiple off days that you have, a lot of times before a series and in off days, enable guys to to stay fresh. Do
0: do you think that can be almost, uh, you know, picking up on that, a source of strategy... Potentially, I know it's really early, buddy, to talk about, you know, what you're going to lay out beginning, you know, in late March, early April of, of 2024. But can that actually be a, a a strategic move where, hey, you know, we got three or four we really like right now and we hope to get naturally later in the year Herman back and, and Senza back in a perfect world. Um, but can you say, hey, yeah, this is how we're going to go about things, uh, at, at least initially?
1: Yeah, it, it definitely can, Drew, and it's something that we'll talk about for sure uh, this off season uh, when we when we look at our forty man roster, when we look at you know our pitching depth and spring training, uh, and this take taking a step farther, right? You'd like to have you know a number of guys that you can truly count on to take the ball every fifth day. Be responsible, be durable, and perform. But you might not get that, uh, you know. In uh, you know, in the in the back of your rotation. So, with that, uh, the players who have options, the uh, the the younger pitchers who are part of your depth. If you have a couple of those guys that you can option down to the minors, bring another guy up, uh, and keep uh, you know keep your turnover. Maybe it, uh, a little bit your bullpen, in your rotation, it can definitely benefit you. We won't know that really until we get you know, into January when uh, our 40 man roster is formalized and finalized and, and what we look like going into spring training as far as any other pitcher acquisition.
0: Yeah. When you look at, it, at the postseason right now, and we're in the middle of it, is there a, as many games as you've seen and as many? Postseasons, have you seen? As you look at it in 2023, is there is there a, a thing or two that really jumps off the screen at you as to you know where you need to get your club to down the road?
1: Well, I, I think with uh, you know the, the you know the postseason, what you see in a couple different areas. I think you see the the heightened focus of every at bat. I think you, you look at the hitters and you, and I'll take the Phillies for instance, right? You look at that veteran group the group of hitters. Swarbers, the Turners, Harper, Castellanos, Real Butoh. Uh, you, you look at that, that group and you can see their, uh, every at bat that they've taken is with maybe a dial turned up, a little bit of focus. And that and that comes from experience, right? Those guys have been through it, and I think it passes on down to uh, passes on down to, to Stott and Bull and, and Rojas and some of their younger service time players. So, I mean, for us uh, with the Rockies, uh, you know, it's hard to uh, it's hard to really duplicate that over 162 games. But the closer we can get to those at bats where you lay off the borderline. Pitch. You do not chase. You you keep that focus as high as possible. And, uh, and a lot of times for younger players, that's hard. It's a the skill that's sort of learned over time. I think that's, you know, sort of the messaging that, you know, I want to relay to, to our group and the coaches that I want to talk to, you know, our players this winter about a little bit is that, uh, you know, that really uh, intense at bat under control, but yet focused. And a lot of times with younger players, it's a little bit tougher. So, you know, the Chris Bryant gives you good at-bat. Charlie Blackman gives you good at-bat. Uh, you know, Brendan Rogers gives you good at-bat. You know, we have to get that all through our, you know, through our group where throughout the lineup we can really, you know, take advantage of, of pitchers who maybe, uh, you know, their, their advantages
0: by having hitters six, six expand What uh, when you closed the book on 162 this year, what gave you the greatest you know bounce in your step or optimism? And you are generally a very optimistic person and and a very positive person. But but what kind of buoyed your spirits? And especially as you thought about the season over the last several weeks.
1: Well. You know, a couple of things that obviously stand out: to the, you know, the development of, uh, of Ezekiel Tovar, the development of Nolan Jones, uh, and the and the development of, of Brett Doyle. I think those are three solid everyday players with uh, All-Star potential. I think that offensively and defensively, Tovar uh, shines. I think Nolan Jones offensively shining. I think, I think we're going to see the see the defense pick up. Doyle defensively was outstanding. And We think the changes that you know he's going to undergo this offseason with the with this swing will help him offensively. But those three guys I think are uh, the guys that you can really point to, to, to as bright spots moving forward. That they should be really solid. So uh, again, bounce back years from you know I think the McMahon and, and the healthy Rogers, uh, you know Bryant getting him on the field for you know for more than half the season will help. So uh, I think just the collection of the projected everyday lineup, I think you know gives us hope. Now we got to add depth to that through. We got to you know we got to improve our bench. But the position player group, uh, you know, seems to be getting better, and I think there's guys behind find them. You know where we have to where we have to pick up a little bit of slack is the pitching.
0: Speaking speaking to the pitching, because you know, you and I have had a million conversations about this, and if we've had a lot, you've had a gazillion elsewhere. The sport will still always be about pitching. You got to get guys out. What you did for a living. Um, Two hundred years from now, it'll still be about what you did for a living. It's about getting guys out. Hitting's hard. Um, w- what can be done to accelerate the process, or is that possible?
1: Well, I do think it's possible. True, I, I think in you know what we have to do, uh, you know, it, it's really I don't want to say it's a crash course, but we got to get you know a lot of our younger players. Uh, up to speed as quickly as possible, and a lot of times that's easier said than done. with, you know, if you're talking a uh, hundred pitchers in the minor leagues, right? They're all not going they are all not gonna uh, accelerate the same. Uh, some guys are gonna be quicker than others, and sometimes the guys that have the most talent uh, at times will, will take longer. So you just hope that you can, uh, I don't want to say fast track, because every player, I think, you know, comes at their own pace, uh, and, it, and it's hard sometimes to really push push players. Uh, you give them a lot of information, you coach them up as best you can. Uh, sometimes it just takes longer for certain players. What, what you hope for is that uh, you get a, a number of your talented players at the same time, getting your stride, uh, and that's when you know really good things happen. And 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 you can look to other organizations and, and, and see that happening. And you can uh, you can point to you know maybe a couple of our position players that happening, but uh, you know with the fishing, it's 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 a little more difficult. Uh, you know, especially knowing that most guys have to go through Albuquerque. Uh, and then hopefully to Denver, where, you know, these are tough places to pitch, and there and there is a, a learning curve of pitching at both places. Are,
0: are there some guys, and I know, unfortunately, the organization was decimated by uh, some injuries and in, in UCL repairs with some of the top uh, young prospects in the organization. But are there some others, maybe even, you know, that began the year in the Cal League that are intriguing and can move quickly?
1: Well, uh, you know, there are, Drew, and I think that's, uh, you know, that's the uh, that's the hope. Um, you know, this kid, uh, Carson Palmquist, uh, you know, he's, he's thought highly of. Uh, you know, he started at A-ball, he ended at double-A, uh, there's a closer in, in Fresno named Agnos that uh, a lot of our uh, player development people like. Uh, you know, you're right on the couple of the guys that our uh, our guys who are a little bit closer. You know, went down with uh, went down with Tommy John surgeries. They'll bounce back. I mean, that you know that you know this year obviously hurt their development. Uh, there's a couple relievers uh, that I think can come fast, especially a couple guys out of last year's draft that uh, could come. So, you know, it's sort of it's so much based on the transition that these fellas make from amateur baseball to pro baseball. Uh, you know their you know their mental you know, their you know their mental capacity, their ability to handle a uh, quick rise. Uh, you know to the major leagues there's a there's a lot to go into it but uh, you know once you get into pro ball uh, there are guys who figure it out pretty quickly uh, but again it starts with you know the pitching principles of, of success right the, the sound delivery you know the, the natural ability to throw strikes and having good stuff.
0: Buddy's great. We'll have more with uh, Buddy next week as well. A couple of items before we get on out of here. The NFL, we're talking about Major League umpiring and screwing up that Game 5 uh, in the 8th inning when Abreu hit Garcia and the overreaction. Then I didn't even mention this. Then the, then the suspension of Abreu for initially two games and then they backed out of that and they pushed it into the 2024 season. You have to be, you have to have a better feel overall. Um, And we touched on that uh, a little bit earlier on. NFL, uh, I do this every year. I do this multiple times every year. I know officiating is not easy. And I do truly have great respect for, at all levels, uh, the, the folks that that go and officiate. and we, and we're we're struggling now in youth sports, we're struggling uh, in, in high school sports to get people to officiate because they're abused by coaches too frequently. they're abused by by parents too frequently. So I do really respect the fact that um, these folks go out there and work their tail off to officiate. Now, at the highest level, they're getting paid to do it. And on the back end, You have to be really, really careful when you throw that flag for pass interference. All the rules favor offensive players, and we saw Indianapolis basically lose a game because they set you up on the one-yard line on a very, very questionable call on a a pass that wasn't catchable, even if the the receiver was Shaquille O'Neal in the end zone. So I just wish that the NFL could get it together with the back judges, the, the, the folks that are going to throw P.I. calls and say, listen, it's got to be egregious because they're game-altering penalties, particularly in the NFL. It's going to be a 40-yard game, as you know. Avalanche continue on their roll as we speak, scoring a lot of goals. I think they have that focus that we saw uh, a couple of years ago and the moves early on, we touched on this last week, that were made uh, in the off season um, to bolster the not only not only the third and fourth line, but to, to add to the the, f- the first couple of lines, really the second line. seems like job well done so far. Nuggets got underway. man, how thrilling was that? The Lakers talking noise again. Uh, unless you live in Southern California, they're so easy to despise. They talk a lot of noise. They come in. Not only did the Nuggets get their rings, and they raise a banner, which was thrilling. And then they went out, and though it got a little bit close in the fourth quarter for a minute, they took care of business. Jokic, one of the you know six, seven, eight greatest players of all time, and he's going to keep going down that list, uh, moving up that list, however you want to describe it. He goes out naturally and has a triple-double. And, and the Nuggets are off uh, and running to begin their title defense a lot going on, a lot of fun as we talked about uh, uh, before, this time of year with all four sports uh, in motion so um, enjoy, we'll do it again in seven days, part two with Buddy coming up uh, thanks for listening in, thanks for spreading the word, uh, stay safe, stay well everybody